Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. You can visit rachelcarmen.com to join her online community of moms who are taking the dare to be in the word themselves as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. While you're there, be sure to sign up for updates, and you will also receive a free gift from Rachel when you sign up. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey, moms. Good day to all of you. I don't know if I'm catching you in your car or maybe while you're rotating laundry. That's what we always called it when we put it from the washer to the dryer, or maybe putting away some dishes or taking a walk. But welcome wherever you are today. I'm so glad that you're taking time to listen in today. I am talking today specifically about something really near and dear to my heart. Um, it may not appeal to everyone. It may appeal to tons of people. And the glorious thing about what we're going to talk about today is, for some of you, we'll be so happy that no one has to know we're talking about this today. So I've entitled this one today, Help! I Just Pulled My Kid Out of the Government Schools. Okay, so welcome. Um, I just wanted to tell a little bit of our story because I did that about just almost exactly 26 years ago, 27 years ago. I don't know. I have to look that up. Um, we had our oldest son in what was supposed to be the best elementary in the district in the city that we lived in at the time. In fact, we bought the house we bought, spent more than we really had because we wanted what was best for our son. And we were pumped and we were so excited. And a, a quick side note, this will um, uh, this will touch on some of your um, tender points. <laughs> this kid, my oldest son, was that kid. And I haven't talked about that a lot here on the podcast, but I love my son but he, at this point in our relationship, things were not as they should have been, primarily on my side of the equation, because I was not seeing him rightly, and he was an aggravation to me. And frankly, I was thrilled that he was going to get on a bus and drive away and be gone for several hours of the day. I was going to get my life back because he demanded so much of me and was just so strong-willed and questioned everything and... You know, if you've got one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, yeah, so we bought the house. Um, we planned for him to go to school. He was so excited about getting on the bus and riding the bus. And I was literally counting down the days. I was looking forward to this. I had some projects I wanted to do. I was going to go back to a group Bible study. I had two other kids at home at the time. I had, um, so his younger brother would have been, I guess four, and then we had a newborn. She'd been born in February, so this was mid-September. So yeah, we had the two of them at home, but both of them were very cooperative and very obedient, and so walk in the park, right? So I was very excited, 
And he went off to school. And I'm not going to take our whole time today to tell you the whole story. I'm just going to do a Reader's Digest version, a very condensed version of the story. In short, he went to the public school system for 13 days. And over 13 days, I watched my son, like, die. And I, I mean, seriously, here was a kid who was always curious, who was always bright-eyed, who always had a thousand questions, who at the end of being at the institution all day long was coming home, and he just really wasn't interested in doing anything. He, he was exhausted from the process. He was exhausted from the whole thing. And so he sort of drug home, and I'm watching this happen going, what is going on? And my husband had the same feelings. And so at the end of 13 days, we decided that my husband was going to take the day and go and just sort of check, you know, what's going on, sort of check it out. And so he took the day and he went up to the school. He was the dad who did the reading that day. So he did reading time. He went out with them when they had recess. He went with them to lunch. And by noon, he had checked our son out of school, and he brought him home, and I will have to confess that I was not completely shocked. I was kind of anticipating that he was going to do this. I cannot attribute that to anything he said that morning. I can only say that my gut just told me, the Holy Spirit told me, he was going to be home. And so I had spent that morning researching all of the private schools in the area. I was determined he was not coming home to stay home. He was going to be somewhere that fall. And so I was researching everywhere that had a kindergarten opening. I had set up appointments, anticipating my husband bringing him home. So again, I wasn't shocked when he came home, but boy, I was ready for it, man. I had a plan. And we tucked all the kids into the Suburban and off we went. I think we had a minimum of four appointments at different private institutions. And wouldn't you know it, there was not one single opening for kindergarten that fall for my son to begin on Monday. Not one. And I was astounded. We'd filled out all these forms. We had put down money that we didn't really have, right, because we were going to put him somewhere because that's what you do, right? Kids go to school at certain ages, and they have to be somewhere, and you have to do something. Now, here's an interesting part to my story, and I have found that as I have shared our story over the years, more often than not, the Holy Spirit of the living God, some part of our story, people will come up and go, that's exactly what God did with me. And it's just so remarkable. So I've already left out a ton of the details, but I, I really believe that God was calling us to homeschool even before I, we were in this circumstance. In fact, I believe that he was actually calling us to homeschool the same year my oldest son was born, because that was the year I first heard the phrase homeschooling. We were living in the North, and um, we had some neighbors who, right after I gave birth to him and brought him home, we had just moved into this house, and we did not know anybody, but they noticed us, which was so wonderful, and they brought Um, food to our house, which was glorious, and Davis was returning one of the dishes one night after we'd eaten dinner, and he came home, and I said, so what are they like, the neighbors? 
I hadn't met the neighbors. We had just moved in. I just had a baby. I hadn't met anybody. And he said, well, um, they're okay. And I was like, what's the deal? And he said, they homeschool. And I was like, what's that? Right? I mean, I'm sitting on the sofa nursing our oldest child. And he said, yeah, I don't know, but I don't get it because the school bus stops in front of their house. And I'm like, yeah, I just assume their kids got on. He goes, well, apparently they don't. They homeschool. And I said, well, how many do they have? And he says, four. I was like, goodness, what's with that? So that was the first time I ever even heard it. And I had just given birth to our first son. And then over the next three years that we lived in that house with those neighbors, there were five moms that stayed at home and four of them home educated their children. And we had a Bible study together once a week, just the moms. We got together and opened God's Word, lit candles, and ate really good crumb cake or scones and drank tea. It was a glorious time. It was very formative for me as a young mom and in my spiritual journey to spend time with these other women. They mentored me. They taught me just the way they lived and they spoke of God and their husbands. I mean, it was truly a gift from the Lord for me to have that time with those women. But let me assure you, when we left, I was not thinking about homeschooling my kids. Even though they did, and they did an amazing job, and I was impressed with them, and I thought that they were incredible, I was like, I'm glad that works for you, but that is not what I'm doing, right? And we moved down to the south, and I was thrilled that we did, and we bought this house, and we got him enrolled in the local public school, and on that first day of school, you can bet your bottom dollar, I put him on that bus, and I was happy to do it. But then, through a series of circumstance, 13 days later, my husband has withdrawn him from school, and I'm just about panicked thinking I've got to put him somewhere. And so we go and investigate all of our options, all of our options, I think. And we get back home, and I've got three exhausted kids still asleep in the Suburban. The doors are open. They're in the garage. They're asleep in the Suburban. And my husband and I are inside sort of having a talk-it-out session because I'm panicked. This is Friday. What are we doing on Monday? What are we doing on Monday? And I finally pause long enough to take a breath and... My husband said to me, so what about homeschool? I was not in a place to hear this, right? I was stressed. I was panicked. I was in my head, no, 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 no. And in my most submissive voice, he says that my head rotated around on my shoulders. I turned to him, put my hand on my hip and said, let me get this straight. You get to go to work all day, and I'm going to get stuck home with the kids. Is that how it's going to be? Now, I hope you can hear all of the humble, submissive, seeking the Lord. There was none of that in my tone or my attitude. I was not even remotely open to the possibility. And yet, the Holy Spirit of the living God spoke those words through my husband And he responded to me after I was so cold. He looked at me and he goes, "I look, I don't know. All I know is we've been praying all summer for his teacher. And I think we've been praying for you. And it was in that moment when my husband dared to say, 
those words to me, speak the truth to me that I was convicted and I realized that this was our moment. But I want to say very clearly that even then I was thinking, okay, fine, I can do this for a year. Surely I can do this for a year. Surely I cannot mess up kindergarten, right? A, apple, a, one, two, three, four, five, five, ten, fifteen, twenty. Surely, surely I can survive kindergarten. And I just want to say that was my initial response. Okay. Okay, we'll do this for a year. We'll do this for a year. And I just want to say, who do you think I called first? Yeah, I called those women, those moms that had so boldly and courageously lived out in front of me what it looked like to love God and their husbands and their children who were building into their homes and educating their children and reading to them every day. Those were the women that I called first. And those were my first steps into what became a 26-year journey for our family. Seven kids, 26 years. I now have seven graduates. I have four college graduates. And it's not anything that I did. It was all what God did. And I am so grateful. So if that is where you are today or that is where someone you know is today, I hope that you'll share this podcast with them. And I want to just say a few things about what those first few days and weeks look like. I am not going to propose today that you sign on some dotted line that you're going to do this hereby and forevermore. But I do want to welcome you. If you've just pulled your kids out, I get it. I get the panic. I get the shock. I get the stunned. I get the, what did we just do, right? In fact, when I've told this story in front of audiences at homeschool conviction conventions, I have said that I literally felt those first couple of days, those first few weeks, I felt like a penitentiary door had slammed behind me. I felt trapped by this decision. And yet... God was so faithful. He was so faithful. And so as someone who's been there, done that, I get it. I get the sheer terror of looking at this child and going, what am I possibly going to do? But I want to I assure you, you've made a really good choice, especially at this moment with all the cra- crazy and the chaos and the ideology and the all of the bad agenda and the teaching that is going on right now, you've made a really good choice. And I want to welcome you to something that you may not be aware of, and that is it's a front row seat to see God work. That's what I learned over the years. I thought I was just pulling my kid out of school to educating, you know, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's all I thought it was. I did not realize that in so doing, I was getting ushered proverbially to the front of the theater for a front row seat, handed popcorn to see God do amazing things beyond what I could ask or imagine. I had no idea what God was going to do. I was so hyper-focused on what I couldn't do and how afraid I was, not just of my inabilities, but of of this kid. I mean, what was I going to do, right? And yet, God came and did just remarkable things. But, but it's important to note, you can also squander this opportunity. 
You can refuse to sit on the front row. You can refuse the popcorn. And you can close your eyes to all that God wants to show you. So if this is your moment, if you have pulled them out, you're convicted to pull them out, and now you've got them home, and you're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I've got just a few things here, because when I called those women that I knew, the only people I knew, this was in 1996, right? So the numbers have exponentially grown in home education. At that time, I think I knew five people. But today, there are so many more people than that that were doing that. And those are the women that I called, and they were so kind to me. They were so generous in their advice, so patient as I panicked on the other end of the phone. But they gave me some great advice that I want to give you today. But everything that I'm going to say to you today needs to be washed in humility, trust, obedience, and worship. Those are key. Because this opportunity, you can squander it. You can choose misery. You can choose to just blow this opportunity. You really can. You really can. You can. It can be miserable for everybody. Or, or you can dare to lean into God and see what he might do. And I've never been dis- I've never been disappointed by what God's done when I've allowed Him to do what only He can do. But I have consistently been disappointed in myself when I have insisted on my own way. So I want to invite you to dare to lean in, to dare to ask for eyes to see and ears to hear Him do what only He can do. And some of that means that you acknowledge all the things that you can't do. And if your list of all the things I can't do is as long as mine is, it's longer than I am tall, right? That's a good thing because those are the places that God shows up to do amazing things. So here is a short, not exhaustive list, not exhaustive list, easy for me to say, of things that people told me that were invaluable to me those first few days and weeks as we stepped out on what ended up being a 26-year-old journey. First of all, I want to encourage you to relax. I want to encourage you to breathe, right? Don't panic. And some of you may have already panicked. I knew I had already panicked. But instead of staying in a place of panic, I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you to pray. To seek God. To seek His face. To seek His will, His way, not your way to literally lay it all out before him. I love the Psalms because I love how raw they are. It's remarkable to me that in Hebrews 4 and then throughout the Psalms, we have examples of this invitation we're given to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Come, he says, come, tell me all about it. And then we have examples of prayer throughout scripture. We've got Hannah just laying it out so raw. I mean, she must've been a hot mess because Samuel thought she was drunk right? And she's just begging the Lord for a son, begging the Lord. I mean, and you couldn't even understand what she was saying. uh, Eli, sorry, Eli thought she was drunk. And we have that example. She was just a mess. Mom, if you're a mess, God gets it. And he's big enough to handle it. He's big enough to handle it. We have other examples of prayer. We have Moses intervening on the behalf of the people, when they are incredibly disobedient, 
And Moses intervenes. We've got examples of prayer throughout the Psalms of David, right? Asking God, how long? How long is this going to go on? How long before you come and do something? And it may be, Mom, that that's your prayer. How long, God? How long do I have to do this? Is this for all year? Is it for just now? How long do I have to do this? And your God is big enough for that prayer. So I want to challenge you. Pray. Lay it out before God. Lay out your concerns, your frustrations, your fears. Lay it out before God. And I want to assure you of something. This whole thing is bigger than you. It is. And on the one hand, you're saying, no, Rachel, like I get that. That's why I'm so panicked because it's bigger than me. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not that kind of bigger than you. It's a God kind of bigger than you. In other words, it's bigger than you because God's got it. You can't possibly do this. But Aslan is on the move. And you're not alone. And he's right there with you. So first off, I want to invite you to relax. Don't panic, pray. Number two, read. Read. The first person I called panicked. My question was, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do, right? What am I going to do on Monday? Because we pulled him out on a Friday, and Monday loomed large for me, right? Now, it's important to notice, and I am dedicated to practice the practice of Sabbath, truly resting and leaning into God and stepping away from my to-do list and all the stuff that's, you know, bearing down on me through the week. And on Sunday, literally taking that as a day of rest. It's interesting to note that at this time in my life, I wasn't practicing Sabbath. It should have been good news to me that between the Friday that we pulled him out and the Monday when I felt like we had to start, there was a day of rest in there provided for me, right? Whenever you have pulled your child out, take a day of rest or two or three or a week and read, read, read yourself, mom. There are so many good resources out there that you can read on how to, where to start. All of that is out there. But the first thing I want you to be reading, mom, is the word of God to yourself and to your kids. Read, read, read. Read the good book and then read good books, right? There are many resources available to you for good classic literature at any age level. So before you know what you're doing, right, for every possible subject area that you want to cover, you can begin with a good reading list and just start reading aloud together. It is a great place to start while you're getting your your bearings about where you are and where you're going. So if you've pulled them out on a Friday like I did and you're trying to have something to do on Monday, my strongest suggestion for Monday is the good book and a good book. Just start by reading together. And especially if your children are younger, setting the standard for what it looks like to read aloud. You may never have read aloud together as a family. That is a great place to start is teaching and training your kids what read aloud time looks like because that is one of the most invaluable times that you will spend as a homeschooling family together in a variety of different subject areas coming around really good books together to learn that way together. So number one, relax. Number two, read. Number three, 
study. And I don't mean study um, like you're going to take a, a test, right? I want you to take advantage of this time of relaxing and praying and seeking the Lord in this time of reading together and do number three, which is study, get to know who your kids are. What makes them tick? What are they interested in? How do they learn? Do they need to, are they kinesthetic learners? They need to be moving as they're taking in information. Are they auditory? They need to hear it. Are they visual? They need to see it. How do they learn? Are they random, abstract, concrete, sequential? How do they learn? Learn your kids. Learn who they are. What are they interested in? All of these things that I've outlined are going to be invaluable as you pick out curriculum and as you go forward. When you know what your kids are interested in, any subject area can be taught. Anything can be. If you know how they learn, you know how to present it to them. So study your children. Get to know them. And as you're getting to know all of these different things, the way they're learning, what's interesting to them, also evaluate their character. What are their strengths and their weaknesses? What are the character qualities that they're just naturally good at? They're just naturally cooperative. They're just naturally obedient. They're just naturally kind, right? And I actually have a couple that that's true for them, which is awesome. And yet... They're not so good at being, I don't know, on time. Maybe they're always late. Maybe they're disorganized. Maybe they're easily frustrated, right? Get to know them. Get to know what they believe to be true about God and his word. Do they know him? Do they trust him? Are they willing to obey him, follow him? Do they seek? Do they serve him? Do they pray to him? Get to know your kids, who they are, where they are, and how you can go forward. Number four, go outside. If you've just pulled your kids out of the institution, they have spent far too much time in a building. Get outside. This is a beautiful time of the year. God is showing off in all of the color changing of the leaves and how everything is, all the leaves are falling, dance and falling leaves. Go hike a mountain. Go look at a waterfall. There are many creatures out this time of year getting ready for the winter surely to come. Go out and experience the God of creation in his creation. Go camping. Go for a regular walk, but get outside. Play outside, but get outside. Run, laugh together. Enjoy God's creation. Number five, seek God together. As you're relaxing and praying, mom, dad, as you're reading the good book and good books, as you're studying your kids, trying to get to know who they are and where they are and where they're going, as you're spending time outside, immersing yourself in the glory of creation, seek God together. Come back with your kids and say, okay, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I've learned. And, and, and forge a course together. Make a plan together. Don't rush. Don't worry, don't push, but wait and worship together. Look, this is a journey. It is a marathon. Even if you're saying, I'm just going to do it for a year, it's still not a sprint. This is a moment. This is an opportunity ordained by the sovereign king of the universe for you to get as much possible out of that you can. 
He's extending to you a glorious opportunity. And yes, you can blow it. You can cross your arms. You can throw yourself on the floor and you can throw a fit like any two-year-old. Yes, you can. And you know why I know it's possible? Because I've done that. And the only thing more hideous than a two-year-old throwing a fit is a 45-year-old somebody throwing a fit. And I may fool everybody else around me, but I don't fool him. If God has extended to you this invitation and you have dared to pull your kid out of the system, out of the institution, and you have brought them home, welcome home. Seek him. Take full advantage of this opportunity that he's giving to you to get to know him at a whole different level, to get to know your kids at a whole different level, to learn more about yourself, right? This is the sanctifying work of God to home educate your kids, to bring them home. Because you're going to get to know each other in ways that you wouldn't have if they were at a bus and you were at an office. At home, together, safe in the arms of Jesus, you are going to learn more about each other and more about his goodness and his faithfulness. We at Apologia want to help you succeed And so you can go over to Apologia.com. We've got all kinds of free resources for you. We've got curriculum for you. You can call us. You can send us questions. We are here to help you succeed. But again, I get it. If you've brought them home and you're over the first time, you've done one of the hardest things, right? Welcome home. Let us help you succeed. Let us encourage you. Be your cheerleaders. And let's dare to challenge each other as we seek to honor God in word and deed and in raising the next generation to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you listeners for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. And while you are there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us to get the message out to other moms that need to be encouraged in their roles as mothers today. If you have a question, we invite you to send it to rachelcarmen.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, you can access Rachel's wonderful resources and real refreshment, the online community. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged and we need accountability in the word. I hope you will join us and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.